All right, if you have a Bible, you wouldn't mind turning with me? Jump right in there. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament, second half of the Bible. Fourth book in the New Testament. This is the season of Advent. Um, over the, uh, the five weeks leading up to, or the five weeks including Christmas, um, Advent is, the, is a time in the Christian calendar. Advent's Latin, the Latin translation of Advent as Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And so we celebrate, we build an anticipation leading up to the celebration of Christ's birth. And we have candles that remind us of, of each week, and it just sort of builds in that anticipation. The first week we talked about hope, the hope that is realized, the hope that we can have in Jesus and the hope that's realized in His birth. And last week I talked about peace and the peace that we can have. Peace meaning not the, the absence of conflict, but the presence of a person. And we're reminded of that by our candles. This morning, we're going to talk about joy. So let's go ahead and, and light the joy candle. I think there should be like drum roll or something when we do that, right? <laughs> Especially with the trouble we've had in the, with the candles over the last couple of weeks. This week in the Advent calendar, it's, it's joy. It's joy. If you're following along in your outline, I'm going to have you have that out along with your Bibles because you can scratch some things down on there, some notes on there, some references. I may move fairly quickly. First one is joy is a gift from God. Joy is a gift from God. All right? How do you know that, Matt? You guys ask great questions. You guys ask great questions. Luke chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. You can jot it down. That won't be the, me- the, the scripture, the text for the main message. But Luke chapter 2 says this. Um, if you'll recall, you remember, that's not it. Um, Luke chapter 2, back, uh, if you remember the shepherds, the first pronouncement, if you will, the first public pronouncement of the birth of Christ, the shepherds are out in the field. Um, that's significant on so many levels that I don't have time to preach about this morning, but I could. It's significant on so many levels that the announcement of Christ comes to shepherds, the outcasts, the dirty, smelly people. That's the one that the, the, the announcement comes to. The angel appears in the sky and there's this great, this glorious hosts out in this open pasture, which you'd be able to see every single thing. And the shepherds are terrified. Yes. Yes. The shepherds are terrified, which, by the way, you would be, too. I would be, too. I mean, just be honest. We would be terrified if the whole sky lit up. And angels are, are making this great pronouncement. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, The angel says to them, don't be afraid. Isn't that awesome? Don't be afraid. They're terrified. Don't be afraid. That's one of the ways that you can know that it's God's presence, by the way. There's a comforting, a reassuring. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news which will cause great joy for all the people. So joy is a gift from God. God loves us so much that He gave us joy. That He gave us joy. That we can have joy in the midst of difficult times. That we can have joy in the midst of difficult situations and circumstances. You can have joy. Yes. Yes. Isn't that good? That is so cool. Now, I think it's helpful... Which, by the way, we did this earlier. Man, I got a lot of stuff. So the grow groups are going on at 930, right? There might be a misconception that if you miss one or two that you couldn't come to the next one. False. False. 
We'd love to have you next week, 930, okay? Now, back to, because we talked about the definition of love this morning, which is where I, I kind of got off track there. Squirrel. Um, I just got right off track. I want to talk about the definition of joy. I want to talk about the definition of joy, because joy actually oftentimes gets confused with another word, happiness. And while there is happiness in joy, they're not quite the same thing. So here's a good working definition of joy, because if it's a gift from God, we want to know what it is. Because as we've talked about over the weeks and over the years, if you've been here, a, a gift that's actually not very useful or very helpful, eh, it's not much of a gift, right? So if we're going to experience joy, it's good to know what it is. And so here's a working definition of joy. I, I think it's somewhere in the slides. I don't know if it's not. I apologize. The definition of joy is this. Joy is a bubbling and sustained sense of God's nearness, affection, and provision. Joy is a bubbling and sustained sense. Intentionally use that word bubbling. That's not a word that we use very often. But the idea, is that it, the idea that's created here that we want you to get here is that it's building. That it's building. Besides that, bubbles are fun. I mean, who doesn't like bubbles? Maybe you don't. Okay. It's this bubbling, it's this building and sustained. Say sustained. Sustained, you guys are so good. Sustained sense of God's nearness, His affection, and His provision. Now, these are like, these are like, things that we don't always talk about. So maybe you're coming in this morning and you don't really have a framework for that. Listen, I believe, we believe, we teach, we live, we love the fact that God is near us. He is near us. Perhaps you felt something during worship, a little stirring, a little something inside of you, a lump in your throat. I don't know, something. Man, we were singing such powerful lyrics, such powerful truth. God, your love is deeper than any ocean, higher than the heavens. Your love knows no bounds. That means no matter what, God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you think, no matter how far away from him you've gone or where you're beginning in the, in the first place, God loves you. God loves you. He's crazy about you. He's absolutely crazy about you. And he is near. He is near. It's one of the things that I just love about God is, is that his presence is here. And if, we, um, if we're able to, to just get our hearts in the right place, we can feel him. You can actually tangibly, physically feel God's loving arm around you. God's hand on your shoulder. His hand on your chest. I remember, this isn't in my notes, I just feel compelled to say it. One of the first times that I felt God's presence, I could tangibly feel God's presence, was in a worship service similar to this. And we were worshiping, and I was just caught up in worship. I was just caught up in, in, the, in the lyrics, and I was caught up in, in, even in my own emotion of, of pouring my heart out to God. And the pastor said, you know, if, if you want to experience more of God's presence, come to the front. And man, people just made a beeline, which we might do today, made a beeline coming to the front of the sanctuary. And I remember getting in that line, and I was very new 
in my relationship with Jesus. I was very new in my relationship, and I had no framework for understanding that, but uh, God's presence. But I, I went there, and, and, I, and I stood, and I just closed my eyes tight, and I just worshiped God, and I just poured my heart out, and I felt two hands in the middle of my back like this. They were positioned just like that. And I felt like they were sort of lifting. And in my mind, now I know this, well, I say, I, I don't feel like this is true. It felt like my feet were off the ground. And, I, and it was as though I was being lifted up off the ground. I could feel hands right there, pressure in my back. And I remember that, that time coming to an end, that time of worship coming to an end. I didn't want it to end, but I remember it coming to an end. And I turned around. There's no one there. There's no one there. I felt God's presence. I felt his hands or an angel's hands. I don't know who he sent. I, I don't know who it was, but I can tell you what I felt. His nearness. How do you think I felt about that? Oh, man, I'm on top of the world. I'm on top of the world. God loves me. I know it. It's not just a song. I know it. I know it. And he was there and he was showing me his real presence, the nearness of his presence. Joy is that. It's a bubbling and sustained sense of his nearness, his affection, and his provision. And it's so good. And it's a gift. It's a gift. So, just like any gift, if it's being given, it has to be received. Oh, you guys are good. You're locked in. It has to be received, right? I mean, if I were to give you something and you're just to look at me like, huh, then it doesn't make much difference. It doesn't make much impact in your life. So the question, at least for conversation's sake this morning, isn't that joy is a gift, but it's how do we receive it? How do we receive that gift? Again, you guys are so good at asking questions. Now we're going to go to the bulk of the message, John chapter 2. So you're in Luke, well, I actually referred to Luke, but you can go further to John, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. It's actually, it says in this particular passage uh, that this is the first recorded miracle that Jesus performs. It's the first recorded miracle that Jesus performs, and wouldn't you know it has to do with a party? <laughs> yeah, some of you are there. All right. All right. So it has to do with the party. All right. John chapter 2 says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They're out. They have no more wine. And Jesus says to her, why are you involving me? Why, why are you involving me in this? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And then, I, I wish there, there was more here, right? I wish there was just a little bit more. But the little bit more, because of the recording, I, I'm, I'm going to say is not as important as what is there. But I just wish there was a little bit more, because after... His mother says, they don't have any more wine. And he replies to her, it's not my time yet. Why are you asking me? Why are you involving me? Then the mother, I'm, I'm just assuming that there's some motherly wisdom happening here. Shout out to moms. Whoop, whoop. In the room. So you, you moms have this sense about you. 
along with those eyes in the back of your head. The mom says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. (laughs) Just do what he tells you. And in verse 6 it says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Do the math real quick. Some of you students are like tired of math, but you got tests next week. So do the math. We got six stone jars, 20 to 30, 120, is that, am I right? 120 to 180 gallons worth of wine? Sounds like a party to me. And then he, <laughs> he says, Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, Now, draw some of it out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the wine that had been turned, or excuse me, tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew, right? They knew. Everyone brings, this is the master of the ceremony talking to... um, the leader of the, of the feast here, he says that everyone brings out, or the wedding, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after that. So the guests, uh, brings out the cheaper after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best until now. Until now. Really amazing story, right? A really cool story. Really cool historical account of what happened because it says, following that, if you just keep on reading, because I know some of you do, Uh, It says that this is the very first recorded miracle that Jesus performs. This is the very first recorded miracle that Jesus performs. Now, within that, so many layers of things to just sort of pull apart that we can grab onto that can then become application or we can turn those things into application into our lives because if the Scripture doesn't impact us in a way that causes transformation, we've missed something. And see, what we're going to talk about right now is, is positioning ourselves to receive the gift of joy. Positioning ourselves to receive the gift of joy. Who doesn't want joy? Who doesn't want joy? I mean, if, if we were in our right minds, we would say, yeah, man, that's the one I'm taking. That's the one I want. I want joy. I want joy. Joy. Second blank there in your outline says this. Joy, here, here's, the, here's the key. Here's the key. Watch for it. Joy enters our heart through a simple act of faith. Joy enters our heart through a simple act of faith. Through this story, there are at least two, I'm going to say simple, but they're really profound acts of faith. There are really two profound acts of faith in this story. First, Jesus' mom. Jesus' mom. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Hebrew culture, and, and I would just, full disclosure, I'm not any sort of a scholar or any sort of, you know, i just sort of a novice in Hebrew culture, but I do know this, that a wedding ceremony is a big deal. I do know that a wedding ceremony is a big deal. It's one of the most important ceremonies in a family, certainly in the life of the bride or the groom. It's one of the biggest ceremonies. I also know that um, 
a name in Hebrew culture is extremely important. That your name, in fact, the Bible says that a good name is more valuable than silver or gold. So your name is important. Your name is important, but the other side of that is also true, that it can potentially be a shame thing. There, there could be shame associated with that, and that's, that's the idea, is that you, you don't want to shame your family, and so you, you, you make good decisions, you make decisions in line with the way that you've been raised, the way that you've been taught. Now, culturally, that's not necessarily the same in, you know, today, in the 21st century, um, Although I think we can grab onto that. I think we can grab onto that a little bit. But your name is important. Your name is important. I remember when I was growing up, it was, it was very uh, meaningful to me, and I felt very proud that, that when people would see me, they would associate me with my dad. And, and then often they would say, well, you're one of those forest kids, right? And if I wasn't in trouble, that was actually a good thing. <laughs> it's true. You're one of those forest kids. Uh, yeah. But that was actually a good thing. So a good name is important. And so let's put this thing together here. Weddings being extremely important. Your name being very important. The family name being very important and necessary to be valued and protected. And the wine runs out. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And... You know, we could surmise that, the, that there's some closeness between Jesus' family and the family uh, the, in the wedding party. Um, that, that's the invitation that's there. And we're not told explicitly through Scripture. But we do know that, that Mary isn't okay with this. And we do know that Mary's not okay with this. So much so that she steps out in an act of faith because she knows who Jesus is in an act of faith and says, you got to do something. You got to do something here. You got to do something. So she's stepping out by an act of faith to have Jesus engage in this. It's not my time. It's, I think it's, it's, you could assume safely that Jesus takes a moment and prays. God, is this okay? I, th I think that he does that. God, is this okay? Gets the green light from God. All right, let's make wine. <laughs> joy joy man so that's one act of faith and that's ultimately going to be realized the second act of faith is where in the servants yeah in the servants mary says to them do what he tells you now they don't know they don't i mean i it's easy for me to get in the servant's head because i mean it's like what is that? What do, you, what do you mean? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to take this jar and fill it with water? It's, it's got to be really heavy. I mean, that's a lot of water, right? So it's going to take, I mean, it's going to take a physical, physical act of exertion somehow. I mean, it's one thing to, to say I have faith, but we talk about this often. You know, faith, that you're not stepping out. Faith that doesn't lead to action how much faith is that? So there's action involved. There's action in this. And it's an act of faith when they take the jars, fill them with water. When they dip that water out, 
I don't know when it turned to wine. I don't know. I don't know if it was wine before he dipped it out or if it's not wine like in the, the, the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and when the disciples handed out the pieces of the fish and the loaves that were broken and they, you know, there was actually enough for there to be there. I, I don't know when the miracle happened. Neither do you. I don't know when that happened, but I do know that it was an act of faith for him to dip out, a servant to dip out that, that wine out of there or that water out of there and take it to the master of ceremonies. I know that that's an act of faith. What if it's still just water? I mean, how embarrassing would that be? <laughs> it's like, I know we don't have any wine, but here, will this do? No. <laughs> I know we don't have any wine, but Jesus said to give you this, right? I mean, at some point, the water turns to wine. But it's through, listen, it's through their simple act of faith that they've positioned themselves to receive joy. Think about it for a moment. Imagine the relief on that servant's face. Imagine the relief in his own heart when he goes, Whew. because it's not just wine, it's really good wine. And so the master of the ceremonies immediately recognizes that, that that's as good wine, and so something in him is going to change. His countenance is going to change, so much so that he's willing to go talk about it. But man, think about that servant. What's he feeling? Yep. That's right. I got the wine. I got the wine. I mean, Mary, through her simple act of faith, ultimately receives joy. The servant, through their simple act of faith, ultimately receives joy ultimately receives joy. Their acts of faith teach us, actually teach us about receiving joy. And it teaches us this biblical principle about faith that's necessary to receive joy. And it's this, this biblical principle about faith is this, believing is seeing. I did say that right. Because you're thinking, maybe he didn't say that right. No, no, no. Because we're used to seeing is believing, right? We're used to that. But in faith, in a, as a kingdom principle, believing is seeing. This is a kingdom principle that God teaches us over and over and over again. You step out not actually knowing what that step looks like, but you do it trusting that the one that asks you to step out secures that step. Secures that, and I, I would love to say to you, but I would not be truthful if I said that as you grow, it's always easy. Because I know people that have walked with Jesus a lot longer than I have, and when they're asked to step out, and they're not sure what that first step looks like, there's hesitancy. So you're in good company. Believing is seeing. Mary believed that Jesus could do it, and he did. The servants believed that Jesus could do it, and he did. And it positioned themselves to receive joy. It positioned their hearts to receive joy. The amazing thing is, is that God is still calling you and I to tremendous acts of faith. 
with the promise of joy that accompanies it. With the promise of joy that accompanies it. Again, joy is a gift. Joy is given, but if joy is not received, it doesn't have the same impact. And we can position our hearts to receive joy through a simple act of faith by believing even if we can't see. So let me ask you an important question. What are you believing for that you can't see right now? What are you believing for? What are you believing for? No one's going to ask you to share it. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud. Write it down. Put a hand up. But I will ask you, what are you believing for? Because it's in that believing that you're able to position yourself, stepping out in faith to receive joy. And it's something that happens in every single one of our lives. Jesus is continuing to draw us in. Like I mentioned last week in the message on peace, Jesus steps into our business. If you're not ready for Jesus to step in your business, I just need to get your head around that for just a moment. Just take a moment and get your head around that, that Jesus actually steps in your business. And not in an ugly way, and not in a mean way, and not in a, in a guilty way or any of those sorts of things, but in a way... That, that lifts you in a way that empowers you, the way that releases you. But he's going to get in your business. He's going to get in your business. Joy is a gift, and we can position our hearts to receive joy through a simple act of faith. And finally, joy has the power to last through good and bad times. Joy has the power to last through good and bad times. Remember, going all the way back to the beginning, the definition of joy being that bubbling and sustained sense of God's presence, His nearness, His affection, right? And His provision. Those things, folks, those things last. Those things, and it may be one of the only things that you're going to be able to count on in both the good and the bad times, but you can absolutely count on it. You can absolutely count on God to be near you no matter when, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter how alone you feel, no matter how isolated you feel, God is near. It's part of the good news that causes great joy. That God is near. If you'll remember, Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us that's the part of the pronouncement of the good news that causes great joy is that god is near and he doesn't leave you ever the good and the bad times and here is where joy and happiness part ways i think here's where it part they part ways because we're not always happy and that's not even always the point now, there is happiness in joy, absolutely, but there are times when we, we can have joy without happiness. Or we can say, I have joy because of the sustained sense of God's nearness, affection, and provision. I can have joy. I can have joy. You can have joy this morning. You can have joy this morning. You can have joy this morning. And you may not be happy. 
and you may not be happy, and that feels like a contradiction, so we pull back from that, and we go, that doesn't even make sense. Welcome to the kingdom. (laughs) Welcome to the kingdom, because there's not a promise of it always making sense to you. And when we try to apply worldly, earthly, my own logic to the kingdom, and believe that that's the only way that it can be, man, have I short-sighted myself. Man, have I just reduced my ability to receive joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. Joy enters our heart through a simple act of faith. Joy has the power to last through both good and bad times. I want to take you back to a question that was really important that I asked you just a moment ago, but not to answer out loud, but just internally. What are you believing for? What are you believing for right now? Where can joy come into your life right now? What could you believe God for today? What could you believe Him for today? Could you believe God for a breakthrough? Bringing freedom in your life. Whether that's in a difficult relationship, whether it's in in an addiction that chains wrap around us. Could you believe God to be free today? Could you believe Him to be free? Because it's going to take a simple act of faith to step into that. To step into that. Could you believe God for physical healing today? In just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come up for prayer. Could you believe God for physical healing today? Do you know God still heals heals today? It's good news, right? Could you believe God for clarity in a situation that's difficult? Right now. Could you believe God for a relationship that lasts into eternity? What are you believing God for right now? Right now. In just a moment, I mentioned we're going to have an opportunity for you to receive prayer. I'm going to pray for us right where we're at, right in our seats. I'm going to invite you to consider stepping across the line of faith into a relationship with Jesus. If you've never given your life to Him, if you've never given your heart to Him, if you've never actually said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. That's what it means, folks. That's what it means to have a relationship with Him. And the good news is is that He accepts every single one of us right where we are. And the maybe even better news is that he doesn't leave us there. I want to to invite you to consider that. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? And with that, what are you believing him for? What are you believing him for? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for every person in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray for an increase of your presence right now. And what what I'm asking in that, Lord, is that you increase our awareness of of you. Because you're always here. You're always with us. Increase our awareness of your presence right now, God. Right now, Lord, increase our awareness. More, Lord. More, God. And even though you're calling us to believe you and step out in acts of faith, even in that moment, God, you don't leave us alone. You don't leave us by ourselves. It's not simply our will that we step out and make a decision of faith. 
but you're right there with us. You're right there encouraging us, supporting us. You can do this. You can do this. I love you. You can do this. I love you. You can do this. I love you. Church, if you're here this morning and you've not given your life to Jesus, I want you to consider what that would mean right now. His nearness, His affection, and His provision for you. As you step across that line of faith. What are you believing for? Jesus, you're the king. Submit all of these things to you. The words that I've spoken, the songs that we sang, seal them up in our hearts. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.